am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Good to see you here this morning. We are continuing our series on the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. I am thankful today, the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you noticed or not, I was a little under the weather the last couple of weeks. Was that noticeable to anybody? No? Great. Okay, good. Y'all didn't notice a thing. <laughs> today I'm feeling pretty good, all right? So I'm glad. Thank you so much those who, who have prayed. Uh, looking, looking forward to today as we continue our series, seven I Am statements <clears throat> of Jesus in John, and uh, we've already had some really good ones. It says that I am the bread of life, that he sustains us. How many of you believe that? How many of you know that? That when we come, that we will not hunger or thirst anymore. Uh, he says that I am the bread of life, so he sustains us. He gives us uh, what we need, the spiritual nutrients that we need, even the physical nutrients that we need. The things that we need in this life, he has given that to us so that we can live here on this earth, but then also in the world to come one day. So he doesn't just sustain us on this earth, but he sustains us into glory or into eternity or into forever. And so he is that bread of life. So he says, come and eat. Come and eat, for I am the bread of life. Then he says that I am the light of the world. Uh, that when he uh, shines that light, it exposes that, the parts of us uh, that we need to get rid of. Uh, the darkness, the dark parts of our heart, the dark parts of the world. And, and I've noticed, and, and I'm sure you've noticed as well, the closer you get to him as the light, the closer that you get to holiness, the more unholiness you see in yourself and in the world around you. Have you noticed this? The closer you get to the Lord, all of a sudden, those things not think were that big of a deal. All of a sudden, you see how they take you away from God the Father. They take you away from your family, or they take you away from these things. Uh, and so the light exposes that. And so it leads us uh, where to go. But it doesn't just expose uh, the dark parts of our heart, but then it, it, it leads us in the direction that we need to go, which is uh, to him. And we talked about how that Jesus is the door, uh, that we are his sheep, we are uh, in the kingdom of God, and that it is, the, it is the, the bad shepherd, if you will, that climbs over the wall to try to get in the sheep, but Jesus is the door. And he allows his sheep, us, to come into the sheepfold, into the kingdom, and he is that only door. There's only one way, uh, only one doorway to get into the kingdom of God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And not only that, he, he opens the door so that we can go out into the pasture lane. And that's where we find uh, 
uh, our, we find our things, that's where we find our purpose in life. And so Jesus is the door. And then also Jesus is the good shepherd, and he is a good shepherd, isn't he? He is a good shepherd. He leads us, and he guides us where he needs us to go. But <clears throat> the main thing that we saw is that he doesn't leave any sheep behind. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. The one that used to be in the sheepfold, for whatever reason, is lost. He goes out and he finds that sheep and he brings it back because he is a good shepherd. He doesn't look at you and you're someone who just walked away and he thinks, well, good riddance. They weren't that good anyway. That's not what he thinks. He goes after you and he goes after those who have walked away from the Lord or, or, or who are out in the world who have not accepted him yet. And he goes out and he reaches out to them. And so he is the good shepherd. And we're finding out more and more about the more I find out about Jesus, the more I like. And the more I find out about Jesus, the more I want to find out about Jesus, the more that I want to hear. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture here today, John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 14. This I am statement uh, possibly is the most popular of the I am statements. It's when, when you think of an I am statement of Jesus, at least me, I thought of this one. This was the first one that I thought of. We're talking, going to talk about here today. John chapter 14, verse 6, it's a very quotable verse. So those who uh, learning scripture, memorizing scripture is important to you, which it should be important to all of us, right? <laughs> uh, you, you may have this one in your repertoire, okay? You may have this one ready to go um, because it is a very, it's a very quotable verse. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus told him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many of you have heard this verse before? How many of you know that he is the way? Now, I love this verse. This verse, um, maybe one of the reasons why we've heard this a lot, this verse is, is read a lot of times at funerals. Maybe you've been to a funeral and you have heard this verse because you've got Christians, you've got non-Christians, you've got everybody here in the room People are, are thinking about death and what happens next. And so this is a very uh, a, a simple verse to bring, that Jesus is the way. For those of you here in the room, I, I, I don't know your relationship to the person that's laying here in front of us. I don't know your relationship to Jesus. But let me tell you something. Uh, Jesus is the way to go to the next, uh, next place, the next destination that we're going to. There's two destinations. You only want to go to one of them, okay? And Jesus is the way to that one. So maybe we've heard this one. Uh, this verse over and over. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, context is important in everything, and especially in Scripture. And so looking at the Scripture of maybe why he said this or what were the circumstances uh, surrounding this, we look at the Scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is a continuation, chapters 13, 14, and, and even 15, and it goes even further. He's in which is the Last Supper. We just took communion, which was one of the things that happened during the Last Supper. And he is giving this teaching at the Last Supper. And so there's a lot that's going on at this Last Supper. So this is, uh, his ministry is nearing the end. He's already been there for three years, and there's been miracles and teachings and all kinds of, uh, of great things that these 12 disciples 
have seen every minute of it for three years. They've done nothing but travel together and speak together and cast out demons together and all these different things. And so now he, he's, he's bringing them together for a last supper. And so there's kind of this, this last hangout time. And I love how, how Jesus does this. He says, bring the who love me, bring us together, and, and we're going to have a good time. <laughs> and by this good time, uh, some things begin to happen. I don't know if, if you've really noticed this, of, of all the things that go on at this last supper. There's a lot of confusing things that go on. Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever <clears throat> been going through something... And very honestly, you were very confused why Jesus did something or why God took you a certain direction. You have no idea, and you thought to yourself, God, why are you doing it that way? Like, if I, you're not asking me, but if I was to do it, here's how I would do it. And it just seems so obvious to an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere God that why don't you just do it this way? And then everyone will come to you. Don't you, you kind of, doesn't he just, wouldn't he just open up the clouds one time and be like, hello, I'm God and I'm real. And then everyone would turn to Christ, right? Just by this guy up in the sky or something. I don't know. You come up with something. And there's been a lot of times that you've gone a certain direction thinking that this is the way that, it's, that I'm supposed to go. And that was not the way that God wanted you to go. And you said, but God, if you would just listen to me and, why, and my, you know, my limited understanding of why I want to do this, then, then you'll be on my side about it. But how many of you have been confused with why God either did something and you thought he shouldn't have done it, or he didn't do something and you thought, why don't you intervene, God? And, and you're confused and, and you're left scratching your head. The disciples are left scratching their head many times. It, it opens up, they walk into this room, and tip that time, you knew in an odd way, who was the lowest person in the room? Because there was always a servant person there to wash feet. Now, we don't do much feet washing here in America in 2022. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. But at that time, it was, it was a pretty typical thing, okay? And you kind of knew, and, and, and everywhere you went, whenever you were going to meet like this, there was someone there, a servant person, who was going to wash your feet. This was everywhere. It was common. It was typical. It, it, it was weird is that as the disciples walk in, Jesus was the one that grabbed the water and the towel and washed the disciples' feet. Now that was strange, because everyone knew that the lowest person in the room, that was their job. We're up here, and you're down there, and you wash our feet and take care of us, and, that, and this sort of thing. But they knew who Jesus was. He's the Son of God. What are you doing, kneeling down and washing our feet, Wiping off our feet. And it was a very head-scratching moment for the disciples. They didn't understand what was going on, why he would do this. Then they're sitting there and they're eating dinner and they're, and they're thinking about all of this. And, and then Jesus calls out one of the disciples. There's 12 of them there. And he says in, in chapter 13, I tell you the truth, anyone who wasn't welcome me. Anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me, but I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. It's the one to whom I give the bread I, to dip into the bowl. And so there's this Judas Iscariot who has been with them for three years, best friends, Twelve, or three months, three, I'm sorry, three years of walking together with Jesus, seeing healings, hearing preaching, and one of them is going to betray and friends. 
Jesus calls him out in front of everybody. Not even like a, hey, let's talk over here, Judas. I got something to, no. Calls him out in front of everybody. You are going to betray me. And then he says, go do what you're going to do. And the disciples left scratching their head. Like, what kind of party is this, Jesus? <laughs> you know? Like, aren't we supposed to have fun at, like, what is going on here? You're washing feet. You're calling one of us out. Then he says, he starts talking about how that he is about to go somewhere soon and they can't follow him because he's going to die. He tells his whole, all of his friends, his disciples, I have to die and you can't come with me. That's just what's going to happen. That's not normally what you talk about at a dinner party. But that's what he says. And, and, and Peter yells out, talking about, I'm going to go. He says, but I, why can't I come with you, Lord? I'm ready to die for you, Peter says. Chapter 13, verse 38 says, Jesus answered, die for me. Tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know who I am. Calls him out in front of everybody. That's two. The rest of his disciples are going to be quiet from now on. They're not saying a word. <coughs> Calls out Peter. You're going to die for me? That you love me? You're going to deny in front of random strangers three times before the rooster crows that you even know who I am. This is all happening right in front of them. If you were to piece together what it also says in, in the book of Matthew and, and, and Luke, he tells them that in, in Luke, he says that Satan is working against you. In Matthew, he says that all of you at one point will fall away. What is going through the disciples' minds right now? So, you wash our feet, when that's reserved for a servant, you call out Judas, a betrayer, you tell us that you're about to die, we can't go where you're going, then predict Peter's denial, and you say that, you know, you don't love me, you're going to deny me. You say that Satan himself is actively working against all us, and that at some point we're all going to fall away. God, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I mean, shouldn't you like be mobilizing us or something for some sort of battle that's coming up? Or, or what, what, is, what is going on? This, this Last Supper is, is, is different than the little painting shows, right? It looked like everybody's kind of having fun or whatever, I, you know. There's a lot going on here, and the disciples are just left scratching their head. And I, I would if God doesn't leave us from time to time scratching our head... I don't know if we're really talking to him very much. <laughs> because he says things and does things and doesn't check with us first. Does he? And he does things and we're like, what is going on? And if everything is peachy keen all the time, then I, I, I don't know our <laughs> communication with him. Because it is going to be very often that Jesus says things to you and you're going to, you're going to scratch your head. So all of this happens. And then he says in chapter 14, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Listen, your heart, your heart can be fickle. You can want one thing and want the other. You're confused what's going on, and so you take it to heart. And so... When your heart is troubled, you start making decisions that you wouldn't normally make. 
I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Follow your heart is the worst, is the worst advice that you could ever receive. Follow your heart. Your heart changes. What I want today is not what I want tomorrow. What I love uh, this week is not what I'm going to love next month. And so don't follow your heart at all. Your heart, even, it deceives you constantly and all the time, and it's fickle. You are not a Disney princess. You are a child of God. You don't follow your heart. You follow Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. All the things that I just said, your heart is troubled. Sometimes people got to be called out. <laughs> Peter, you got to be called out. He's called out. I'm going to die. Nothing you can do about it. Satan's working against you. And we can kind of have this woe is me and the world is coming down. Has your world ever crumbled before you? <clears throat> he says, don't let your heart be troubled. What do you do instead? If you're not going to follow your heart, if you're not going to follow your feeling, if you're not going to follow what you think that you should do, what do you do? Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Now, in the King James Version, it says I'm going to prepare a mansion for you, right? Most of you know that it is that as mansion. Most of the other translations, it says rooms. It says I'm going to prepare a room for you in my father's house. King James says mansions. We like mansions, don't we? Okay. I, 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 I did a funeral one time, and, and I, I read the translation that said rooms of this verse, and I had a, a lady come up afterwards and says, that was, a, that was a great message except one part I didn't like. And I was like, I, I rarely get instant feedback after a funeral <laughs> about, what, about what I just did. But I did here, and, and so she says, I liked everything except one thing. It says, I don't like the... The translation says rooms. I want a mansion. I'm going to heaven to get a mansion. And I'm like, how human is that? No? That's just so human to when when you read that verse, you think, I'm getting a mansion? Hallelujah. I'm getting out of this apartment that I'm making. I'm you know, that's just so human. I just thought it was so funny. It's funny, it's in my father's house are many mansions. So how big as our mansion if it's inside another house. But anyway, that's another. <clears throat> I want a mansion. Come on, glory. But he's going to prepare a place for us. It is anything outside our thinking. Anything out what, what we think is mansion may not be what the mansion's over there. The point is that he is preparing a place for us. And those who are righteous and those who are in, our, in um, his kingdom, not by our righteousness, by his righteousness, those who are righteous in his righteousness, he is going to prepare a place. Now the disciples didn't know this at, at the time. They, they just had a lot dumped on them. Satan's against you, you're a betrayer. They had a lot dumped on them at, at this point. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Because we cannot trust our own feelings. We cannot trust our way to do things. We cannot, we've been right a couple of times, but we're not right every time. 
but we try the be- as much as we can to do things our way. I feel that this is the right answer. But there is a truth in God's word that is nowhere, and it is foreign to this world. But it is truth in God's word. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Anything else that you stand on will sink. You may live there for a certain time, but you will sink. Because on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Do not follow your heart. Do not follow the world. Do not follow your feelings. Follow the truth, which is Christ. Verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where you know where I am going. This is, this is good theology right here. That God is coming back one day to get us. And we are looking forward to that day. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Looking forward to that day. So he's going to leave us, yes, and he left the disciples then. But he's going to prepare a place for us. And when everything is ready, he will come back to us and he will get us. And we will get to go and live with him. And he says, you know where I'm going. Verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you were going. So how can we know the way? I have no idea where you're going. I, I love this. In Texas, if you're riding with someone and that's their exit, you don't say, hey, you missed your exit. You say, where are you going? I've noticed that. <laughs> you're just riding along. Where are you going? <laughs> Right? That is so Texas. Where are you going? (laughs) I love it. That's not the way. Like you missed your exit. Where are you going? Okay? That's what Thomas is saying. We have no idea where you're going. Like you you have thrown us for a loop. Like I just came to have a meal. You're You're calling us out as betrayers. Satan's against you. What? Let's just, I don't know what has gone on the last three years, Thomas says. We have no idea where you are going. People turn to all kinds of things. When they are lost, when they are broken, when they're afraid, when they're confused, when they're going through a tough time, when they're angry, they turn to anything and everything that can at least dull the pain or at least find a direction to go. Have you been there before? Have you ever? You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You're lost, and you're just looking for any answer. The next answer is the best answer, because you're just looking for something. Have you been broken? God, why did you allow this to happen? I'm broken. Have you ever been afraid? Of course, you wouldn't admit to being afraid. But have you ever been in a situation where you were generally, I, I, I don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. I don't know what's going to happen with this relationship. I might have messed it up too much. I don't know what is on the horizon. We just went through a couple of years of that and, and still going through some. We don't know what's on the horizon. We don't know. Have you ever been confused? I thought God would do this and he didn't. And you've just been confused. 
Maybe you're just going through a tough time. Things are generally well, but you get some of those lulls sometimes. You're just, things aren't firing, things aren't clicking. Going on. Sometimes you're angry. Have you ever been just angry? Just at life. You just, you just kind of, you know, I was told that if I, if I work hard, you know, and if I do what my boss says, then everything's going to work out. And it's just not working out. And you're not angry like you want to punch a wall or something, but you're, there's just, you're just angry. Your kids do something and it sets you off. It's not even their fault. It's just there's something inside of you that's just angry. When you're lost, where do you go? When you don't know where to go, who do you ask? When you don't know what to do, what do you do? When you don't know what to do, what do you actually do? You have, to, you have to actually do something. So if you don't know what to do, what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Verse 6, Jesus answers Thomas's question, and he answers our question. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to me, or no one can come to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. Not just I know the way, but he says, I am the way. Walk this direction. Walk the direction that I am going, because I am the way. Listen, if he created everything here, he knows direction. How many of you remember, remember going to restaurants when they had paper menus? <laughs> remember that? You would go in, and if you went in with kids, you would get a, a kid's menu, right? And on that kid's menu, there was you know, chicken nuggets, and there was cheeseburger or whatever. But then there were also games on that menu to keep the kids occupied, right, until the food came. And on, one of those games normally was a maze, and I loved the maze. How many of you love the maze? I mean, you get the, the whole maze going. So on the kids' meal, it normally wasn't too challenging. It looks something like this. So you have, okay, so the maze game. All right, so apparently the, the deer over here is trying to get to the flat for some reason, I guess. And so when you walk in, I mean, obviously you can just tell you don't turn left, right? I mean, everyone sees the dead end there. I don't know if you can see that or not. But when you first walk in, don't turn left, okay? There's a dead end. Okay. But anyway, so you, you go through the little maze here, and, and the kid thinks he's having fun. <laughs> okay. I did it, look! And he has to show you. Okay, I'm trying to order here, son. Anyway, so you, you got this maze here, and, and, and that's pretty simple, and, and, it's, and it's for children and that sort of thing. And so we, we wish that, a life, that life's maze would be this easy. It's not. Typically, it looks like this instead. Um, it looks something like that. <coughs> and so there is this maze, and we're like, now some of you are like, challenge accepted, right? So I'm not going to leave this up here too long because you're going to be doing it in your head. I can, I can already see some of you. But you look at that maze, and you're like, some of you think, oh, Lord, that just that makes me nervous and stressful. Some of you, like I said, you're excited about it. Maybe you want to try it. <coughs> the fact is, it's hard. Isn't life hard? And so many times you don't know 
which way to go. And, and a maze like this, you don't want to do in pen, because then you've got to circle back to find somewhere else. You want to do it with a pencil and an eraser so you can erase it, so it looks like you did it in the first place. But you have this maze. But you do that someone actually made this maze, right? Like there was a person that, that sketched it out, that drew it out, that knows how to get to the exit. Because they created the exit. Like you know that, like this, this isn't just random. Like lines just didn't just appear on paper. Someone created this. Not only created the maze, but knows exactly how to get out. Knows exactly the turns that you need to make. And even if it's a turn, as you can see, that the exit is down toward the bottom right, if the person that created the maze told you you need to turn that's taking you back toward the top left, you're going to be confused and go, but that, that's, I'm not heading the direction I need to go. But the creator of the maze says, actually, yeah, that's exactly where I want you to go because I know how to get out of the maze. Jesus created this world, and he also created you. So he knows how to get you, what he created, out of the maze, the thing he created. Like, he knows how to get you out, right? So why would we not listen to his way? When the creator of the maze says turn left, why in the world would we turn right? He created the maze. He created us. He knows how to get us out. So when he says, I am the you can trust him that he's telling you the truth. He's not taking you down a dead end just to have fun with you. He knows where to take you. Verse 7, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. <coughs> From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me work through me. This is good theology for us, talking about part of the Trinity here, where I am in the Father and the Father is in me and all of this. You can trust, like I'm trying to get you to the Father. Go in this direction. Walk with me. Are brokenhearted, but just, just picking the first thing that comes along that says as an answer is not the way to go. The way to go is to follow me. Verse 11, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. Why do us Christians, we sit on the sidelines like we have nothing to offer this world or offer to, like we can do the same things that God did, right? Because he's going to the Father, but he's living in us as well. Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son, uh, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. God, show me the path and he will answer that prayer. Show me the path to take. Verse 15. If you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate who will never 
you. Now he's about to talk about the Holy Spirit. That as he leaves, he is going to bring the Holy Spirit who's going to lead you and guide you. And that is really what we so need the Holy Spirit in our life, to have this guide for us. And that is what the world is missing. The world today, they look to everything other than God to try to find the way to some sort of happiness or whatever they're trying to find, and they fail every single time. Don't they? Don't we, whenever to any other place other than Jesus. Every single time. We look to people who are rich and famous, and we think, well, they must have it all figured out. And then we look and we see what happened last week at the Oscars, and we're thinking, maybe that's not the way to go. Where there's, man, A-plus actor is living in an open marriage. And a man who has fame, who has talent, who has fortune, who has everything, everything. But he's trying to find his way in this life, and he does some things that are not following in God's way. Let's try open marriage. That should make us happy. And one joke from a comedian, and everything explodes in front of everybody. They're trying to find a way to live this life without Christ. The word says, I don't want to gain the whole world, but lose my soul. And there are people, not but in that room, who are broken because they've gained the whole world, but they've lost their soul. And why, if we're walking around broken with a broken soul, why do we try to find our own way in this life when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Verse 17, who is coming after? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. The world cannot receive him because they are not looking for him. The world is not looking for Christ. And so every endeavor that they take is profitable for a while. But then they are left broken and alone and sad. But the Holy Spirit goes with us. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us while we're living here today. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So here's the question. Is the way that you are walking going to lead you to the destination you want to go? Is the way that you are walking going to lead you to the destination you want to go? So we're going to go into a time of prayer this morning. Some of you may be here, and this text obviously is about salvation. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through salvation. So there are some who are watching here today or watching online and tried things your own way. Maybe they work for a season or a temporary time. But it's not worth it to gain the whole world but then to lose my soul. It's not worth it. It's not the way. The world did not create me 
or this maze or this life or this afterlife, but Jesus did. And I want to go in that direction. I need to follow that direction. But also, if you're here today, there's some direction questions. You're dealing with some things in your life, maybe your career, maybe your family, maybe finances. There's some things, and you just don't know the way that God wants you to go. And you're looking, and, and maybe you're asking this person over here, you're watching this YouTube video or whatever, and you think, you know what, I need to follow Jesus. I need to go God's way and God's direction. So this is also a direction-type prayer as well here today, to say, God, help me as I am trying to find the direction that God wants me to go. And some of you have serious questions about that. You're not exactly sure the decision that God wants you to make. And so you want to ask and talk to the Lord about that direction. And what I challenge you is to follow Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So before we sing a final song as well, I want to open up these altars at this time. Let's find a place to pray, especially those of you who say, I need to have Jesus in my heart, or I have a direction question. God, which direction do I take? What decision do I make? Where do I need to go? I want you to find that way. So if you want you three, go. Let's find a place to pray. But if you're, but if you're especially in one of those two camps, and you have a direction question, God, show me the way to go. I want you to come forward so that we know kind of who we're praying for. Find a place at this or at these stairs, or you can stand, and we want to pray for you and with you that God would show you the way. And that way is through him. Find a place to pray. And let's pray this morning.